0: Good morning. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. This is the 8th of, uh, of February 2022, and so that marks this teaching and the date so we can keep up with it. By the way, RBM has close to 12,000 hours of teaching throughout the years, and uh And I'm so glad to be with you this morning. We're we're covering the book of Leviticus. And it's been interesting because uh, the revelation from the Lord about the books of Leviticus increases in elevating the cross into a higher place. And of course, uh, yesterday I shared with you that uh, the sin offering is completely treated different than all the offerings that I've cared for. I've shared with you the first one, which is the law of the burnt offering, and of course we, we dealt with the word "flay," that in the burnt offering the meat is scratched out of the bones, meaning that uh, there's no question that there is a, a complete different look at the at the burnt offering. Because, because it treats sins to the deep depth, to the deep part of the body. And on the, on the, on the meat offering, which has nothing to do with the meat, but simply frankincense and oil and fine flour, white flour. And of course, the reason why it's different, because it's called meat offering, but it doesn't deal with meat it deals with bread and in that uh, makes it a wonderful offering to the Lord and then the, the, the third is the peace offering the peace offering is uh, it's, a, it's it's from the herd of course there is a transferring part of the herd but it's called the communion offering, meaning that the substitution of sin is that the sinner comes in pulling an animal and he puts his hand on the head of the animal and transfers to the animal his sin. But the animal has to be without blemish, typifying Jesus Christ. Now this is God instituting this. I'm not, this is not a teaching that I am instituting here. The Lord God, wrote the book of Leviticus Moses wrote it and God dictated and so now there's something in the book of Leviticus is that in in the peace offering he separates the meat and burns the meat at the altar and then he takes you're going to like this he takes the two kidneys which is by the flanks the cow which is the membrane and the liver and he burns in a special place in the altar symbol and, and of course God says this is holy to me about this now what is God so holy about burning kidneys at the altar because kidneys purify the blood and also it's it's inward parts said so, and of course uh, our, our I'll read it here to, for you, for you to get an idea. Uh, and he shall offer the sacrifice of the peace offering, made by fire unto the Lord. The fat that covers the inward parts, and all the fat that is in an inward part. So you take the fat of an animal that I within the within the body, and you offer unto the Lord. Now you probably say, Rick, why would a uh, fat be something? that God wants to treat separately because fat symbolizes prosperity on on top of the kidneys and the liver which symbolizes purifying of the blood by the way if you take a steak and you put it on the fire and you take all the fat out of it what you have is a dry tasteless steak meat is good with fat on it in order to to sediment and and clean. And the Lord loves the fat. He loves the provision. He loves the sufficiency of this offering. Meaning, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and you confess your sins to Him, He begins to take care of your life. And one of the things He does, He watches over you. You know, this means you survive financially by God's provision. And I want you to know there's nothing more sweeter than this, to have God's provision constantly from people all over this country sending an offering to us. And uh, it, it is, it is uh, very, how do I say, very, uh, uh, very overwhelming that in a period of a lifetime, you don't remember when God didn't provide. And that, that's the aspect of the cross and the benefits of the cross. Then, of course, uh, uh, the sin offering. And of course, in the sin, I'm, I'm just going back and teaching you each. Now, the sin offering is an interesting offering. First of all, all the meat of the animal is thrown away. I like a bullock because the priest, when he sins, he has to bring a bullock. What is it? It's a bull. It's a thousand-pound hunk of meat, and, and, and it scraped all of it, all the meat is, except the kidneys, except the membrane, except uh, uh, the blood which is sprinkled upon the altar several, seven times, and so on and so forth. What is the meaning of that? And yesterday I shared with you what is the but let me read this to you so you, you it says in the skin of the bullock. In all his flesh with his head, legs, inwards, and his dung. It simply means that if the animal takes the sin of the sinner, then the only thing that is savable in this animal is the kidneys, the liver which represents the purifying liver. The rest has to be taken outside of the camp. So, what, what, what it means? It means that uh, when the cross of Jesus is accepted in your mind, it is finished, he takes, he takes all the sin. He doesn't leave a little bit for the next generation. He takes all the sin. Completely every part of the sin. And so, look what uh, my commentation uh, in, in, in my way says. Properly confess... There's nothing left of those sins. Properly confessed. God, I want to thank you for my life. I thank you. Forgive this sin and forgive this sin. And I say this one and the other one. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. And it's a a beautiful thing. So this animal is totally wasted. Why? Because it represents sin, saying that the cross, when Jesus died on the cross and you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if we confess our sins, He's just and faithful to forgive our sins. And cleans. I mean, it cleans, it's just a vacuum cleaner of every sin in every cabinet, every part of your mind, conscious, subconscious, totally clean, wiped out. Of course, this idea, it's not really, really, really spoken of, you know. We don't preach on the book of Leviticus because, you know, blood is very offensive to our our, our subconscious, you know. We don't want to talk about blood because it's gore and I don't want to see it When in fact, it's proclaiming that the body of Christ, He shed blood on Calvary, wiped out clean, totally, completely, forever, past, present, and future, your sin. Which is good. Which is really good to know. I'm comforted by that. And so, now, when you begin to look at this, and uh, now, I want to spend just a little time, because, you know, ten minutes already passed and uh, <laughs> and before too long we're finished over here so those of you who are really listening on podcasting those of you who are listening to this teaching uh remember there's a podcast you can drive and listen uh i want to spend a little time with this phrase in verse 12 chapter 4 it says even the whole bullock shall be carried forth without the camp. Even the whole bullock shall be carried out. Shall, be, shall, shall he carry forth without the camp. Unto a clean place where the ashes are poured out. And burn him on the wood with fire. Now this fire in the sin offering. It's another fire. is outside of the camp. Now, why would God do that you know you have a big fire a brazen altar all the 1228 priests who take care of it in this section of the day and why 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 now you have to go outside of the camp and burn with another fire because in it is the sin of the animal of the of the sinner I'm sorry sorry I'm sorry 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 in that animal is the sin of the sinner. And God is saying, when I forgive your sins, I forgive until we become ashes. Where the ashes are poured out. Out of the whole sacrificial system, the ashes are poured out. But when it comes to sin, I want to burn it. And burn him on the wood with fire where the ashes are poured out shall he be burned. So the carcass of the slain animal was not to be burned upon the brazen altar. At least it is regarded to the sin of but rather taken to a place without the camp and burned there. Burned. Burned. Now outside the camp, in terms of our situation in the Middle East, is understood in two ways. The the garden of, of Gethsemane, is a very, 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 very powerful place, the Church of All Nations. And of course, you know, it belongs to the Catholic Church, so uh, uh, Protestants are not really part of it. But when it comes to Galgatha, or the place of the skull, there is an argument. Because a queen of the 14th century built a... a uh, a church. And it's called what John? The Holy Sepulchre. And of course it's right there in the inside of the city walls uh, according to today's measurement. So why do we celebrate? Now the other one is called Gordon's. Gordon's uh, 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 place. Why Gordon's is so important? is because it is close to a bus station. It's outside of the city and it's called Galgata. There's in the, in, in the rocks a skull, the look of eyes and nose and mouth. When you look from afar, it looks like a, a skeleton, the face skeletal, the skull. Where do we get this idea from that? Let's take a look and begin to look at this because if outside of the camp is important, then it has to be substantiating by Scripture. Why do Protestants will stay with the, with the Gordon's Chapel uh, uh, place? Go to Matthew 27, 33 and we'll cover that. And when they were coming to a place called Galgata, that is to say, the place of the skull, tradition says that Adam was buried here. And that his skull was found close by. I I I don't know what tradition is, but and they gave him vinegar to drink and mingle with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. Matthew is referring to Jesus at the cross. Matthew calls the place Golgotha. You go to Mark chapter fifteen. Beginning with verse twenty two. It says this, and they bring him unto a place, the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of the skull. Now notice that uh, that this is Mark, this is Mark. So Matthew, the apostles of Jesus mentioned Golgotha. Mentioned the skull. Now, what is the difference between the place of the skull in the church of of the Holy Sepulchre? There's no, no there's no mountain there. There's no skull there. The skull is a, about I'd say a good half a mile away from 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 where the skull Golgatha is a half a mile. Now, to make it the argument. Go to Luke twenty-three thirty-three. Luke twenty-two. Uh, thirty-three. Is that right? Luke twenty-three. I'm sorry. Luke twenty-three, folks. Forgive my my eyes. Luke 23, 23, 33, 23, 33, it says this, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, (coughs) where they were crucified, Calvary. The word Calvary comes from skeleton, Calvario, skeleton. The cross, which was the most horrifying instrument of torture the world had ever known, became an emblem of a beauty because of what Jesus did on the cross. In the malefactors, two criminals, one on the right side and one on the left side, if when they came to the place called Calvary. That's that's Luke. And by the way, Luke is very uh, detailed the uh, doctor, very specific, very detailed. And of course, John 19:17 is the last scripture. 19, 17. Go to 19, uh, 17. And it says this, And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. He's referring here to Gordon's Calvary, named by for a British general who discovered the place of crucifixion in the tomb. So, which one are you going to believe? The script is very clear that the skull, Calvary, Golgotha, is the place where Jesus was buried. Now, I was there. I was right in front of the skull looking, sitting down in guard, the garden's tomb and looking at that skull. If you look to the right, in the pictures that Gordon took out of the place, there's a road right there about 50 feet from uh, the skull, the, 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 the skull or the, the, the place, 150 feet. And he's taken down from, from a, a higher place, looking at people passing by. In that area, Jesus was crucified. Now, let's take a look at uh, John 19:20. 20. It's, we're right in John, so stay on John 19 and go into verse 20. we we'll begin with verse 19. And Pilate wrote a, a title, put it on the cross. In the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. As a sarcasm attitude, this title then read many of the Jews. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. Near the city, meaning outside of the city. So if it's near the city, it can't be inside of the city. It has to be outside of the city. And that's John uh, uh, nineteen twenty. Okay, in Mark 15, I got a lot of argument go, go, let's go again, Don't, don't cool off. go to Mark 15 okay 1540 mark 1540. find 15 and go to 40. It says this there were also women looking on, on, on afar off afar off. What is a far off? There's a distance. Afar off means it's way down there, isn't it? And so if you look at this verse, which is Mark forty, there are also women looking afar off, speaking of the women of Galilee, not the women of Jerusalem. Afar off here simply means it's afar. So Mark fifteen forty presents a major problem uh, to the argument. That the uh, that the Catholic version is the truth version. Okay, let's go back to Matthew twenty seven thirty nine. This is Matthew. Matthew twenty seven. Now you probably say, Rick, why why to spend time with this? You know, and argue with this thing. You know, you love the Catholic folks. You have loved ones inside of it too. What? It's because it deals with my sin. It deals with your sin. If when you go to Gordon's Chapel, you are the uh, Gordon's uh, uh, place, it's, it's very different to pray in a place to where nearby your sins are taken away. So the celebration, the communion that we do at, uh, uh, at, at the place of, of the skull is more meaningful to me than way back there in the dark in the middle of nowhere. Alright? It symbolizes faith, symbolizes strength, symbolizes precision, symbolizes anointing. I want to be close to the cross. I want to be close to the cross. I don't want to be far from the cross. Let's take a look at Matthew tw- twenty-seven thirty-nine. Okay, Matthew 27, 39. Uh, uh, I'll read it pretty soon. Uh, And and there were two thieves crucified with Him, one on the right and one on the left. And they who passed by reviled Him, wagging their heads. Meaning that there was a road. People passed by. It's a thoroughfare. It's a path. In Gordon's Chapel, Gordon's uh, uh, Calvary, There's a road on the right side. You can see the road on the picture that he took. And of course, there's no way to have a road inside of the city. A road belongs outside of the city. You have a street. But here it says, says, they passed by reviling him, wagging their heads. Amen? Now, how about Mark 15, 29? I go back to Mark 15, 29 again. Mark 15, Verse 29. Are you following me, or are you going to sleep? 15:29. Are you following me? Do I hear an amen? And they who passed by railed on him. They refer to the religious leaders, wagging their heads and saying, "Ah, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days." Psalm 22, 7 and 8. And I want to just read this to you, just just to not to take time, because when you read scripture. 22.7, uh, 22, okay? Psalm 22.7, here, here you go. It's coming, 22.7. And he says, All they who see me laugh, laugh me to scorn. They shout out the lip, they shake the head, saying, he trusted on the Lord and He would deliver Him. Let Him deliver Him, seeing He delight in Him. So what What? Uh, what David is simply saying, David is prophesying, then passing by and laughing and ridiculing the cross. Is the cross ridiculed today? Oh my God! Oh my Lord! It, the law is under judgment in America. What is sin is not sin anymore. Alright, now... Um, how about another one on, on, uh, on, uh, to close up here. Go to First Corinthians fifteen, 3. 1 Corinthians, fifteen, three, and I want you to, to hear this. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to Scripture. And that he was seen on Cephas, them the twelve. And of course, you know, Mary Magdalene is the first woman that actually saw Jesus on the tomb. After that was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater... Part remains unto this present, but some are falling asleep. This is Paul writing at First Corinthians, which is about 59 years, uh, 50, 59 A.D. after Christ. I mean, Jesus died on 33, so you're talking about uh, 30 years in the future. Paul writes what we just read. So the death of Christ, his resurrection, ascension is the most important thing. But I want to call your attention that Gordon's Calvary not only is the right place according to Scripture, but it is for us that love Israel to visit and leave an offering. And then you take your communion looking at the skull. You know, my father was just so much about the skull. He preached on Calvary all his life. I mean, Calvary, every single message. I found out moving from my house into a condominium, I found out all his sermons that I kept for many years, and one of these days I want to show you, they're just brown and and old and 50 years old, uh, but all of them has to do with the cross. The cross, the cross, the cross, the cross, Calvary, Galgata, the cross. And of course, in Brazil they sing hymns, you know. uh, And of course in the States we also sing hymns that That are not sung anymore. At the cross, at the cross, when I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the days. Would you sing with me? At the cross, at the cross, when I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the days. I hope that uh, as we finish chapter 4. By the way, tomorrow or next week, I'll be dealing with, uh, or tomorrow, you know, I, I can teach every day if you simply look at my podcasting and I can record because we have Emily now, okay? But the next time I'll teach, Emily can record while John is running around all over the place. But uh, I'm, I'm my next teaching on this subject, okay? I've, I've thought already on the burnt offering. I've thought on the meat offering. I've thought on the peace offering. I've thought on the sin offering. And now I'm going to deal with the laws involving the sin offering. And of course, it is a uh, repetitious in here. But there's certain things I'll mention to you. Moving to the trespass offering, which is relational, very relational. And uh, you're going to really enjoy this because... We say that sins against others in terms of relationship are critically important uh, for the Lord to deal with us. Remember now, the sin offering is burned to crisp outside of the camp. God wants to... Rem- so, trespass is dealing with relationships, and that's very important. Matter of fact, you're going to discover little things like this. That if a soul commits trespass through ignorance, not knowing in the holy things of the Lord, that he shall bring for his trespass unto the Lord a ram. You know, there's a significance over here, very important significance, on how to deal with relationships. And of course, you know, our ministry I wrote a book called Pray With Accuracy. And it deals with trespasses against others and against the Lord. And it's so good to know because you make a correction, your finances change. You make a correction, your health changes. You make a correction, and you lose ten pounds. You make a correction, and you and you get an increase in salary. You make a correction, and you get married. You make a correction. Opa. <laughs> That's a. Did I say you get married? Well, I, uh, I sure need a wife. I tell you. Pray for me. Amen. The Lord bless you real good. See you tomorrow. Senhor, eu vejo o um mundo triste, atribulado pela ação de Satanás.